0: Now, come to the last chapter in the book of Judges, and it's a strange one. <laughs> as we read, which we will in just a second, I want you to put yourself into the story. Imagine yourself as one of the men that are being talked about, but if you're a female, imagine yourself as one of the women being talked about. Now, that's even stranger. <laughs> uh, I'm not laughing because it's funny, it's just odd, and um, this really is a good example of the craziness that happens at a time in Israel's history when there's just not proper spiritual leadership. So let's read. Now, the man of Israel had sworn an oath in Mizpah, saying, None of us will give his daughter to a Benjamin as a wife. The people came to Bethel and sat there until evening before God, and they lifted up their voices and they wept, and they said, Yahweh the God of Israel, why has this happened in Israel, that there should be one tribe lacking in Israel today? And on the next day, the people rose early and built an altar there, and they offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. And the children of Israel said, Who is there among all the tribes of Israel who didn't come up to the assembly of Yahweh? For they had made a great oath concerning him who didn't come to Yahweh at Mizpah, saying, He shall surely be put to death. The children of Israel grieved for Benjamin, their brother, and said, There is one tribe cut off from Israel today. How shall we provide wives for those who remain, since we have sworn by Yahweh that we will not give them our daughters as wives? And they said, What one is there of the tribes of Israel who didn't come up to Yahweh to Mizpah? Behold, no one came from Jabesh Gilead to the camp to the assembly, For when the people were counted, behold, there was none of the inhabitants of Jabesh-Gilead there. The congregation sent 12,000 of the most valiant men there, saying, Go and strike the inhabitants of Jabesh-Gilead with the edge of the sword, with the women and the little ones. This is the thing you shall do. You shall utterly destroy every male and every woman who is lain with a man. They found among the inhabitants of Jabesh-Gilead 400 young virgins, who had not known man by lying with him. And they brought them to the camp at Shiloh, which is in the land of Canaan. The whole congregation sent and spoke to the children of Benjamin, who were at the Rock of Ramon, and proclaimed peace to them. Benjamin returned at that time, and they gave them the women whom they had saved alive of the women of Jabesh Gilead. But there still weren't enough for them. The people grieved for Benjamin, because Yahweh had made a breach in the tribes of Israel." Then the elders of the congregation said, How shall we provide wives for those who remain, since the women are destroyed out of Benjamin? They said, There must be an inheritance for those who are escaped of Benjamin, that a tribe not be blotted out of Israel. However, we may not give them wives of our daughters, for the children of Israel had sworn, saying, Cursed is he who gives a wife to Benjamin. They said, Behold... There is a feast of Yahweh from year to year in Shiloh, which is on the north of Bethel, on the east side of the highway which goes up from Bethel to Shechem, on the south of Labona. They commanded the children of Benjamin, saying, Go and lie in wait in the vineyards, and see and behold, if the daughters of Shiloh come out to dance in the dances, then come out of the vineyards, and each man catch his wife of the daughters of Shiloh, and go to the land of Benjamin. It shall be that when the fathers or their brothers come to complain to us that we will say to them, grant them graciously to us because we didn't take for each man his wife in battle neither did you give them to them, otherwise you would now be guilty. The children of Benjamin did so (laughs) and they took wives for themselves according to their number of those who danced whom they carried off. They went and returned to their inheritance, built the cities and lived in them. The children of Israel departed from there at that time, every man to his tribe and to his family, and they each went out from there to his own inheritance. In those days there was no king in Israel, and everyone did that which was right in his own eyes. It's a very strange chapter. So what's happened here is that we've read in the previous chapters about the terrible event with the man of Judah and his concubine you know, that concubine was raped and killed, and then, you know, there was a battle, and in that battle they destroyed all the men of Benjamin except for 600, and every woman and every child, everything was destroyed except the 600, and they made a promise. They wouldn't give any of their daughters to anyone from Benjamin. Then they realized (laughs) that there was gonna be a tribe missing in Israel, and they had to find wives. Now, there was one city which hadn't participated in the battle, Jabesh Gilead, so, They destroy that city, but they take the virgins. There were 400 of them, and they managed to find 400 wives from those 400 virgins, but there's still 200 men of Benjamin with no wives. (laughs) So this is the strangest thing of all, is they basically tell them to kidnap a wife. And, you know, there's this certain feast where, you know, there's women dancing and celebrating praise to Yahweh, and they basically say, hide, you know. When you see a woman come past, run out and grab one, and then flee to your city. And then when people come to complain, you know, someone's kidnapped my wife, we're gonna say, well, you know, you didn't break your promise, so there, there, don't worry about it. <laughs> can you imagine if you were uh, one of the men you know, in this story? You're one of the 200 men that you've been told you're illegally allowed to go kidnap a wife. I mean, it's technically illegal, but they're gonna turn a blind eye to it. So you've been told you, you can get away with this, and it's gonna be okay. And uh, I think that's just a crazy moment when you're hiding behind a rock and looking to see who's coming, who's a good-looking one, who can I grab. And it's a terrible way to pick a wife because you don't know what they're like. You're just basing it on external appearances only. But imagine you're the woman. And (laughs) this is even stranger from her perspective. Is that you're just dancing and praising the Lord and all of a sudden some guy you have no idea what's going on grabs you and takes off and that's it now you're married (laughs) Uh, it's not funny because it's funny it's just strange and um this is is surely in my opinion the oddest chapter in the bible it's just strange i mean there are other odd chapters in the bible too that are apocalyptic and but you know they're talking about very serious things about you know things that are high and mighty and grand and important and about the future. and But here we've just got the behavior of Israelites um, because there was no king in the land and everyone was doing whatever they wanted. And the last verse of this chapter says, is a summary, really what I just said, and a summary of the entire book. It says there was no king in Israel and everyone did whatever was pleasing to him. You remember that um, that. Uh, in the New Testament, Jesus warned people about the sin of lawlessness. And um, you know even the Pharisees in the New Testament, Jesus said they were lawless because they weren't really pleasing God, they were doing whatever they thought was right. And it's a sin that isn't just confined to the book of Judges, the sin of lawlessness where everyone is a law unto themselves. You see people in church, fortunately this doesn't happen at peace, although it happened a long time ago at peace, uh, where you you try to guide people gently or politely but then they get offended because you you you're only trying to help them but people are unteachable and um, and uh, I remember a I don't know whether you can call him a brother but certainly a man that was in the church in Mount Morgan that um, you know, on the sign of our church, it said Mount Morgan, you know, is in a mountainous region. And the sign said, let us go to the mountain of the Lord that we may learn his ways. It's from Isaiah chapter 2. And this, this man, he, um, I don't know whether you could say he was saved, but he got interested in God. Uh, and then he started reading his Bible from the beginning, from Genesis 1 all the way through, just like we're doing. But he did it without understanding. And so he started reading things in the book of Leviticus, and he thought that he was required by God to do those things today. And because he was reading the Bible in the wrong order, without understanding, he, he didn't believe in the Trinity either. He didn't believe that God is three persons in one. He just believed that, and he didn't believe Jesus was God either. So I was trying to explain to him one day in Mount Morgan, how Jesus is God and I I gave him 20 scriptures from the Bible to show him that Jesus is God but he got so annoyed and angry at me that he stormed out of the church and never came back and um, so what we have there is someone who's unteachable but lawless a law unto themselves now it's not to say that you know everyone like you know no one's right 100% of the time but being perfect in what you understand about the Bible is different to being lawless. And so we can make mistakes, but when someone comes to correct us or someone comes to show us our ways or we come to see that God wants us to do things a different way, that's when we humble our heart and we say, Lord, I want to do it your way. And the problem we have here in the whole book of Judges is lawlessness. People doing things whatever, however they want And there was no king. There was no spiritual guidance. Now the king, it was neither the Lord as king, but neither was there a physical king on the throne. That was going to come later in the book of Samuel, King Saul, and then all the kings to follow. But even when they had that physical king, for many of them, the king, the Lord Jesus Christ, was not in the heart. There was still no king. They still were lawless. They still did whatever they want. And it's not just a problem if you don't have a physical king as leader, it's not just a problem if you don't have a political leader, it's a problem within the human heart. And anytime anyone doesn't have the Lord Jesus as their king, then they have the same problem that we find in the book of Judges. One commentator that I've been reading as I've been going through the book of Judges is a guy called Block. He wrote a commentary in 1999 on Judges and Ruth. And this is his one of his comments Um, toward the end of his commentary about the whole book of Judges. I thought it was very interesting. I'm not sure that I 100% agree with it, but the general idea of it's correct. It's a really, really sad comment. He said, No book in the Old Testament offers offers the modern church as telling a mirror as this book. From the jealousies of the Ephraimites to the religious pragmatism of the Danites, from the paganism of Gideon the self-centeredness of Samson, from the unmanliness of Barak, to the violence against women by the men of Gibeah, all the marks of Canaanite degeneracy are evident in the church and its leaders today. This book is a wake-up call for the church, moribund in its own selfish pursuits. Instead of heeding the call of truly godly leaders and letting the Lord Jesus be the Lord of the church, everywhere congregations and their leaders do what is right in their own eyes." I don't think it's completely true because the Lord has got some very good people and everywhere we go, we meet these very good people. But at the same time, the the sins of the book of Judges are in the church too. So I don't think it's as bad as what our brother Blocky has to say. He's saying it's a mirror for the church. I don't think it's a mirror for the church. The church is wonderful. We've come a long way. You know, we have a Bible to read and and, and we, we want to be like Christ. But at the same time, the sins that we find in the book of Judges are still found in the church. So um, it's, it's a lesson to us all, the book of Judges, to avoid the nasty, nasty sins that we find there. So when we get to this point in the Bible, you know, we've started Genesis and we're now up to Judges, I always ask, you know, what's your favourite book so far? The book of Judges is an interesting book, but I don't count it as one of my favourites because it's so sad. It's so sad because of how, how big the struggles are in the lives of Israel. And uh, so, what's your favorite book so far? For me, it's still you know the book of Genesis, the book of Deuteronomy. I really like the book of Joshua. Judges, interesting, but it's not my favorite. It's a book that makes me sad. We're going to head into the book of Ruth for the next four days. Now, the book of Ruth is also in the biblical period of the Judges. But it's a happier book, a much, much happier book, and we'll enjoy that greatly when we get there. Father, I thank you for all that we learned in Judges in these last three weeks. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would keep the sins of the Judges away from us. Lord, protect us from them. Lord, Block said it was a mirror of the church. Well, Lord, maybe in some ways we see these sins reflected in our own lives, but Lord, keep them from us. Lord, and preserve your church and protect your church. Let your grace be upon it. In Jesus' name, amen.